on, let's all stand together. How many have made a commitment today that you will serve the Lord today? I know we live in a society that is afraid to touch, and I, I think today I reached out my hand 15 times and got a pound back, and you just don't know, and so you're just kind of going back and forth. So let, how about this one? Look, look at the person next to you and just tell them, say, I'll serve the Lord. Tell them that right now. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. For those that are watching online, turn to that son or daughter. You husbands, tell your wife, I'll serve the Lord. Tell them that right now. Tell your children you're going to serve the Lord. You tell them that. And we're going to believe for that. That's why we're here today. We serve Jesus, and we're not ashamed about it. Amen. When Freddie was leading us in that song, something about the name Jesus, I'm telling you, we are here today because of the name of Jesus today. That's the only reason why we're here. We're breathing, we're alive because of the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for your son Jesus today. There is something about that name that, Lord, miracles do happen. And, Lord, we stand today in a place that God, we, we are this living miracles because of the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. So Father, we ask you today over these next few moments, come speak to us. We thank you, oh God, for, for the Holy Spirit, oh God, that is here. We sense the presence. When, when the Holy Spirit's here, the name of Jesus is lifted up. And if Jesus is lifted up, you made the promise, you will draw all men unto you. And we ask that in this place around New York City and around the world, oh God. Everyone who's watching online and here in person, draw people to Jesus today. Don't let them be drawn to a church. Don't let them be drawn to a denomination. Draw them to the only person that won't let them down, which is Jesus today. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to thank you, God, for sending your son. We thank you for that. We thank you for that. Lord, today we do lift up our general overseer, Pastor Carter Conlon today, who's been under the weather. We pray healing in the name of Jesus for him. Healing, oh God. We stand together and say over him and Pastor Teresa, healing upon them right now. So Lord, let the Holy Spirit come and just strengthen his body. Thank you for what he has meant to this church and still means. Lord, let his voice be strong. Let the anointing be double. And Father, let the doors open up wide. And Lord, do great things. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen and amen. All right, before you sit down, get those elbows out. One of you elbow somebody and say, good to have you here. And then you may be seated. I believe this with all my heart, that no, no matter how long you nurse a grudge, it will never get any better. I was reading this week in a section in the Bible, for those that are watching online and here that may be new to the Lord, it's one of the hardest sections of scripture to read. It starts in 1 Chronicles 1 and doesn't end for almost 10 chapters later, and it's a thing called, here it is, the genealogies. 
That is a long list of names that the Bible just puts in. And I came across in 1 Chronicles chapter 3, it was David's genealogy. He was speaking about the sons of David. And as I was reading through those names, my heart um, began to go back to stories where I've just finished reading through the Samuels and the Kings and thinking through the stories behind the names that were given to us in that genealogy. That just, they weren't just names, but there were stories there. Extraordinary, some tragic and some are sad. And today I want us to look at one of those stories on really where a grudge has gone bad. I was reading an article this week about a husband and a wife, a bitter, bitter divorce battle. And the judge just couldn't take it anymore and literally told them both. He said, everything in this house, we're not, you're not, you can't fight over anything. It's all cut in half. And literally, this husband went on YouTube and cut every piece of furniture in half with a chainsaw and sent it to his wife. How many know that's a bitter grudge? <laughs> Drop this down. Unforgiveness is choosing to stay trapped in a jail cell called bitterness and you're serving time for someone else. Get that down. Unforgiveness is choosing to stay trapped in a jail cell and the name of that cell is called bitterness and you're serving, you're serving time for somebody else's crime and the offense that's there. This story today that I wanna walk you through is that tragedy. It starts with a conspiracy, moves to a rebellion, and when this whole entire story is done, you're gonna see one of, the, one of the most tragic scenes in the Bible take place. You have a man hanging, hang, hung himself in a, in a moment of suicide that I just, it, it almost looks absolutely just, just in, insane to see how a story would end with suicide today. And today, I want us to see two questions. I want us to answer two questions today. And you're gonna, I'm going to put you to work today because we're not only going to see what was the reason this man committed suicide, but I want us to see why this 3,000-year-old story really means something to us today. So today, can we do some investigative work today through the scriptures? Can we get ready? How about we talk about CSI on the swinging man today in the book of the Bible? Let's get ready. Holy Spirit, come speak to us today. We need your help in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. When I was a freshman in college, the very first credit card I ever got was at 19 years old. And the, it was a promotion that I, I don't know if they've ever done again, that where your parents can co-sign for your credit card. I'm just telling you, we have a lot of wise parents here that would never co-sign for a credit card today. But at that time, they did. And it was an American Express card that I got that I've been a member since 1986, which was my freshman year in college. And American Express did something for, for us older folks that many young people don't understand today. American Express used to say this, at the end of every month, you had to pay the credit card off. Which meant, you ready for this? This is a tough word when it comes to credit cards. You had to be responsible. You couldn't spend money that you didn't have. And then all of a sudden, American Express seemed to get wise and realize they can make a lot more money from the undisciplined spending of people. And they said, you don't have to pay it off every month 
but you can just pay the minimum and you don't have to be responsible consumers anymore. Let me ask you a question here. What kind of people do credit card companies hate the most? You ready for this? Those that pay their balance off every month. That's who they hate. They hate people who pay it off because they don't get something. You ready for this? Because, because here's what happens. Those that pay the minimum, if you pay the minimum on a $5,000 balance on your card, just the minimum, the, bill, the final bill you would pay in 171 months is thousands of dollars over that. They want you to do that. Why? What is the reason you pay more than what that thing initially cost? Here it comes, and it has to do with it, compound interest. Some of you are going like, are we in business school? What are we doing today? The unpaid balance gets larger because you pay interest on the interest. And folks, look at me for a second. This not only happens financially, it also happens relationally. So get ready and buckle up today. More specifically, it happens when someone is offended and someone is harboring something, the compound interest, or let me say it like this, when you don't zero out an offense from the day, that offense compounds and gets larger than it was the day that it happened. That when you are offended on Sunday and you don't take care of it, it gets bigger on Monday. A harsh word spoken on Sunday and not ap apologized for will get more intense as the days go on if it's unaddressed. It's the interest compounding on the offense. The compound interest on an offense means that what happened in the past is at present looking larger and its effect is getting exaggerated in our lives. And the compound interest blurs the today's offense with yesterday's lack of resolve and not dealing with it. Let me say it like this. If an unresolved offense leaks into tomorrow, then yesterday's unresolved offense magnifies all of today's new offenses. It, it gets larger and larger. It, it goes something like this. That if there is an unapologized comment that you make in your family, to a child, to a spouse, that's my money, that's so stupid, I told you already. Let me just tell you something, if that's not apologized for, then the offenses today get larger and larger. And then all of a sudden, what happens today gets more exaggerated because it leaks into it. And I believe this, it's almost impossible to have a thriving relationship with yesterday's baggage. If you're not dealing with stuff, and we're gonna get to all this, so just allow me to build a foundation here. If you don't deal with yesterday's baggage, I'm telling you, relationships is with your children, with your wife, with your spouse, with your coworkers, it will not survive. My, I, I just had to laugh when I was reading the story about a mom that and a dad that finally gave in to buy their kids a hamster. They promised to take care of their pet, and everyone who knows when kids promise to take care of a pet, they're all lying. And so they promised to take care of the pet, and they named him Danny. Danny the hamster. Within two months, 
Mom was taking care of Danny, cleaning out the cage, doing everything. And finally she said, enough. I'm not taking care of Danny anymore. She called the kids together to tell them, Danny has too much. He's going to a new home. It's just too much to take care of him. And one child said, well, I'm going to miss him. He's been around here a long time. The other child said, maybe he could stay if he ate less and wasn't so messy. And mom was firm. She says, no, we're taking Danny to a new home. And the kids said, Danny, we thought you said daddy. And so... (laughs) Somebody had an unresolved relationship in that home. (laughs) Make the decision that every relationship account has to get zeroed every single night. Or regardless regardless of how late, inconvenient, or how long it takes to fix it. How come, Pastor Tim? Because when you choose to hold on to an offense, let me just say, it's like wet cement. It hardens overnight. Hearts get hardened. The situation begins to get hardened. And here's the verse that I want to give to you today that I want you to hold on to. It's Ephesians 4.26. Listen to this. Be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger And here comes the next verse. And do not give the devil an opportunity. Okay, let me give it to you out of the Living Bible. It says it like this. If you're angry, don't sin by nursing your grudge. Don't let the sun go down with you while you're still angry. Get over it. For when you're angry, you're giving a mighty foothold to the devil. Listen. What Paul was saying to us, Times Square Church, was this. You have a time limit on how long you can be married. I mean, you can be angry, not married. (laughs) Angry. (laughs) Let's, let's, Let's edit that out of the whole message. Yeah, here's your time limit forever, okay? You have a time limit on how long you can be angry. Sundown is when you have to zero out the account. Because when and if, when the sun goes down and you're still angry, you wake up with a third party involved with the relationship. Let me tell you who it is. You ready? The devil. When the sun goes down on an offense, husband, when the, when the sun goes down on the fence, mom, because you didn't apologize, the Bible says you've just cracked open a door for a third party involved in the situation. This is, this is what the apostle Paul says. An old friend of mine used to say it like this. Unresolved offenses, they, they used, or let me say it like this. Unresolved offenses is that invitation for Satan to be part of your relationships. But I had a friend who said it like this. A person living in unforgiveness does three things. They said they will nurse the offense, they will curse the offense, and they keep rehearsing the offense. It keeps going over and over and over in their mind. Greatest advice I ever received when Cindy and I when Cindy and I, just before we got married, I was so excited. Just, just this week, Cindy and I celebrated 25 years of being married. I was so excited. What a great, 
And the truth is this, all you single people, listen up, because we, we crushed it on the engagement. We went to the place that we got engaged. It was, it was Tavern on the Green. We started the night there, Tavern on the Green. Then I'll never forget, 25 years ago, then we got a horse and carriage ride, went through New York City at that time, ended up at Rockefeller, um, at Rockefeller Center, um, and while we were there, where they're skating and everything, I'll never forget, I got out on one knee and, and opened up the ring and I said, Cindy, I love you, I want you to be my wife. And I, I mean, she's crying, I'm crying. We kissed for the very first time and this New York guy <laughs> who's riding the horse is staring at us and this is exactly what he said. He just goes, this is beautiful what he said. And I'll never forget asking my father, I said, what advice would you give me? You've been married over 50 years. What's the advice? And his advice was Ephesians chapter four. He says, Tim, in, 25, in, in the 50 years, mom and I have had a thriving marriage because we never let the sun go down in our wrath. We knew the devil would get a foothold if we went to bed without an apology, without someone beginning to admit that they were wrong, if we thought that going to bed would fix it in the morning, it was, it was horrible, horrible um, advice if we would have gone that way. But tonight, or this, this, this morning, I wanna talk to you about zeroing out an account that it can go not only haywire, but it can go hugely wrong. And that's why I wanna take you to a murder scene, not even a murder scene, a suicide scene in the Bible we're a moment where the account was not zeroed out and you're gonna see a man swinging back and forth in a strange verse that makes Ephesians 4 come alive to me. And that's why we need to do some CSI. If you don't know what CSI is, it's, criminal, it's a criminal investigation drama series that takes place in from Vegas to Miami to New Orleans to New York City. And it's, you look at a crime scene, you begin to look at all the things that are around. They look at for fingerprints and all the, all, all the uh, investigators look for the evidence to solve the murder. And today we don't have fingerprints, but we do have verses for these fingerprints. And I want us to look at literally, I want us to do some CSI. This is where I'm gonna need you to do some work today. So you gotta stay with me. I want us to do some CSI on the swinging man. Here's the verse, here's the scene. You ready for this? It's 2 Samuel 17, 23. When Ahithophel saw that his advice had not been followed, he saddled his donkey, set out for his house in his hometown, put his house in order, and hung himself. Look at that verse a second. Ahithophel worked with David. His advice wasn't followed. Now, folks, let me just tell you something. Pastor Patrick and I, between us and Pastor David, we've done a lot of counseling and can I just tell you, a lot of people have not followed our advice, but we didn't do that. Seriously, I, I can tell you how many people are going, don't do this, say this, do this, and nobody listens. We didn't do that. Didn't follow his advice, goes out, puts his home in order, and hangs himself. Who is this man swinging from a tree? His name is Ahithophel, and here's the part I want us to do some question and answer. You probably have never done this in church before, but we're gonna, do, we're gonna give you questions and then you're gonna fill in the, 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 the verses. So get ready, get your notes ready, whether you're writing or typing, get ready for this. 
So here's the first question. Ahithophel commits, and the answer is suicide. That's the verse we just read, 1st, 2nd Samuel 17, 23. So that's our first, we know that. That's what we're looking at. Okay, second question. Ahithophel, jot it down, worked for both, we're gonna fill in the blank here. He worked for, here it comes, David and Absalom. That's 2nd Samuel 15, 12. Now we're, we're, we're uncovering some fingerprints here. Absalom sent for Ahithophel, David's counselor, and the conspiracy was strong for the people increased continually with Absalom. So here's what we know. Ahithophel was the man who committed suicide. He worked for David, and then he worked for Absalom. Ahithophel also, let's jot this down, had a son that worked for David also. Okay, this is the part that we're gonna begin to see a little bit here. Watch this now. And his name was Eliam. He was one of David's mighty men. So now we're uncovering this. So stay with me for just a few moments. This is 2 Samuel 23.8. These are the names of David's mighty warriors. It gives these names now. It gives um, Eliphalet, the son of Ahasabai, the son of Machaithite, and Eliam, the son of Ahithophel, the Gilanite. Now get this now. Then Ahithophel joined Absalom in his, here comes the test question, against David's government and became part of what? He joined Absalom in the conspiracy and joined him in a rebellion against David's father. That's 2 Samuel 15, 12. Absalom sent for Ahithophel, David's counselor, and the conspiracy was strong and the people increased with Absalom. Then it gets even worse. Follow with me now. Ahithophel asks for a number of men to kill David. You ready for this? 12,000 is the answer. Ahithophel wants to go after his former boss with 12,000 men. Look at 2 Samuel 17.1. Ahithophel said to Absalom, please let me choose 12,000 men that I may arise and pursue David tonight, when his request and advice is not taken, here it comes, he hangs himself. This, this is amazing to me. Why, why is it? Why is it that the question is still not answered to me? Seriously, you kill yourself because someone didn't give you all that you asked for, the advice, 12,000 to go after him. Knowing all this, here's my question, knowing all this, do we have enough of information to come up with a reason why this man hung himself? And here's the part that I want you to get. I think there's some more information here. Here it comes. What sin did David commit in 2 Samuel chapter 11? You ready for this? Many of you know it. It was adultery. Remember that? It was David, and what was her name? Bathsheba. David committed adultery with... Here it comes. David committed adultery. The answer is Bathsheba. And here's the key, folks. Times Square Church, here's the key to the investigation. It's 2 Samuel 11:3. Listen to it. So David sent and inquired about the woman, and one said, that's Bathsheba. Here it comes. The daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Okay, some of you may have missed what we just said here. Keep that up on the screen. Go back. 
the daughter of Eliam. Does the daughter of Eliam mean anything to you? Remember one of our verses from the mighty men. Remember that verse? 2 Samuel 23, 34. This is what it says. Eliphalet, the son of Ahasabai, the son of Mahakathite, Eliam, the son of Ahithophel. Folks, do you understand what happened? That Bathsheba is the daughter of Eliam. Eliam is the son of Ahithophel. Stay with me. Therefore, Bathsheba is the granddaughter of Ahithophel. That when you think about it, that the man Ahithophel worked for, David took his granddaughter, slept with her, had a baby with her, then he kills Ahithophel's grandson-in-law, Uriah, and David made Ahithophel's granddaughter a widow in one day. Think of that for just a moment. Talk about what Ahithophel was carrying here. He goes, so the man that David, think about this for just a moment. So here's, here's the story. Ahithophel works for David, finds out that David commits adultery with his granddaughter, kills her, son, her, her husband, and all of a sudden, this man's former boss is now turning him. And here's what's crazy, church. Stay with me now. In 2 Samuel 11, David's adultery takes place in 993 B.C., in 2 Samuel 17, Ahithophel hangs himself in 972 BC. I know this seems like a lot of information, but stay with me. Ahithophel was offended for over 20 years. And the compound interest led him to betrayal, revenge, and then even suicide. Or let me put it to you in, Paul, in Paul's terms in Ephesians 4. You ready for this? It's this. Do you know how many sundowns Ahithophel missed releasing his anger? You ready for this? That's 365 times 20, 7,300 times the sun went down on Ahithophel's anger. 7,300 times he just thought that I just, I just leave that thing alone. And it kept increasing and increasing and increasing. And now this man is now faced with an anger that's full of rage inside of him. That he turns on his boss. Listen, I'm not excusing what David has done. But I can't even excuse of Ahithophel who wouldn't release this thing to the Lord and go, listen, I've been hurt. Or let me explain it to you this way. Because when I look at this investigation... And thought of those names in 2nd 1st Chronicles chapter 3 and thought of this tragic story. I kept thinking, God, what is the result of seeing all this? What's the result of this kind of investigation? Where do you end up with this? And here's what I've learned. I want to give you a couple quick things today, church. And that's this. Number one, let me just help you. You will be, you're going to be, you have been hurt, let down. You will be disappointed by people in your life. You will be. If you haven't yet, I'm telling you, if you've been hurt, let me just let, let you know. Welcome to life. But just because you're hurt doesn't mean you got to swing. Just because you're hurt doesn't mean you have to end up like this. 
That's why I love what Rick Warren said. He said, sometimes your greatest ministry will come out of your greatest hurt. And there are times that some of you are sitting here, you have been hurt deeply, and I'm telling you, it is a way, it is a place that God is helping us where we can begin to see the work of God begin to work deep down inside of us. Jot this down. Time is a dangerous caretaker. To put your hurt, to put your, your offense in the hands of time is very dangerous. And most people leave their hurt in the hands of time, which is a horrible caretaker of an offense. I saw it with my own eyes. I saw a family that I knew very closely put their offense in the hands of time, and I saw them bring out for me at a funeral a letter that they held on for 40 years that they were offended with. They, they have opened up that letter and closed it for 40 years. It was, so, it was so worn out that the threads were coming out and the paper were falling out, but they needed to show me this letter that a pastor sent to them 40 years ago saying something that they disagreed with about their family. And, they, and at the funeral, they opened it up and said, look, look at this letter. 40 years. And they said, do you see what that passed? And everybody, all the parties are now in heaven. Hopefully. <laughs> and then they, and the person that was showing me the letter, it was one of the children that wasn't even born. 40 years later, I watched an offense in the hands of time. And then they shut it, they took the letter, folded it over, and they put it together, put it back in their pocket. They go, can you believe that? I said, I don't believe you. I said, you're holding on to a letter for 40 years? 40 years, and you're not even involved with it? This is amazing, time and offense is a horrible caretaker. Okay, don't believe this crazy lie. Time heals all wounds. That's a lie. Time doesn't heal wounds. Folks, here's the truth. Time enlarges wounds, but it never heals wounds. You ready for this? Time never heals wounds. Forgiveness heals wounds. That's what heals wounds. You can't sit here today and go to sleep on an offense and think that when you wake up in the morning that time is going to heal that offense. Time never heals wounds, but forgiveness that's left to time, hurt will morph or change into bitterness. Anger like this man Ahithophel had is a wound that's gone mad. Ahithophel is hurt. The man he loved, served, and counseled killed his grandson. And here's what I began to realize is that our only answer to prevent swinging after an offense, this is the only thing that keeps us forgiving, folks. It's the only thing that keeps us out of a jail cell today is to remember how big God's forgiveness has been in our lives. That if I can give you everything as the band comes, if I could say anything to you today, is we need a fresh revelation or a new experience of God's forgiveness today. That's where it starts. Ephesians, I want you to get this, right after 
He tells us in Ephesians 4, 26 and 27, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Don't let the sun go down. If you do, you're giving the devil an opportunity. As soon as Paul says that, he comes right back and says, you need to let all bitterness and wrath, anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with malice. He says, I'm gonna ask you to be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other. How, Paul? Just as God in Christ has forgiven you. Folks, look at that verse again. That comes right after the sun going down on your wrath verse. It's the Apostle Paul giving us an answer to facing all of these things. How do you let go of bitterness and anger? How do you show kindness and, unf- and, and forgive? How do you let go of bitterness and anger? Put it away, Paul says. And how do you show kindness and forgiveness? That's what the Apostle Paul is, is, is really telling us today. And I'm telling you, here's, here it is. We all need a fresh revelation or a new experience of the forgiveness of God in our lives. To remind ourselves on how much we have been forgiven of. See, forgiving offenses comes from the understanding of how much God has forgiven us. God has forgiven us of so much today, folks. Do you know what Paul was saying? You can forgive because you've been forgiven today. That's what he was saying. The motivation for forgiving is not based on the size of the offense. It's not based on how big your heart is or if you have this generous heart. You know what he says? The motivation for forgiveness is based upon how much you've been forgiven of. Don't ever say, I can never forgive it. Don't ever say that. When you start to think of how much you've been forgiven of, you've got to step back and go, wait a second. He has forgiven me of so much. How can I withhold what has been extended to me? That's what, that's what the, the, the Apostle Paul is telling us. He says the way that you keep out bitterness and anger is by welcoming the revelation of I've been forgiven of so much. That's what allows me to let go. See, this is what I started to realize. When offenses and grudges are part of your life, born again may not be. Because if you've been born again, you realize he has forgiven me of so much. He has set me free today. It not only works in relationships with each other, but folks, can I just say about zeroing out an account that has to be zeroed out today? It's not just this way, it's also this way. You've got to zero out that account. I was reading the story of a father's forgiveness. Ernest Hemingway was a great American short story writer. In fact, grew up in a evangelical home, but never experienced in what we know, never experienced that grace of forgiveness, never experienced what it was to be forgiven himself. And I was looking at one of the short stories that he wrote that I thought, is this a cry from him? Hemingway wrote the story, he says that it was a Spanish father who decided to reconcile with his son who ran away to Madrid. And the father was so heartbroken, he says, I've got to reconcile, I've got to reconcile, I've got to reconcile. Takes out an ad in El Libro, the newspaper of Madrid, and this is what the full page ad says. Paco, meet me at Hotel Montana, noon Tuesday, 
all is forgiven, Papa. That's what it says. Paco, meet me at Hotel Montana, noon Tuesday, all is forgiven, Papa. Full page ad, El Libro, there in Madrid. When the father arrived at the square in hopes of meeting his son, 800 Pacos showed up that day to meet a father hoping that someone would forgive them today and hoping it was their father. Look at me, folks. Welcome to Hotel Montana today. It's 11.15, those that are watching online, 11.15 Eastern Standard Time in New York City. And can I tell you, Father God is here today and wants to forgive of all sin today. He wants to change you from the inside out. That I think some of you have had problems dealing with relationships this way because you haven't had a true relationship this way. And this is where it starts today. Today, 11.15, all can be forgiven today. All can be forgiven today. This account has to be fixed. Today, Father God wants to come. Because just as forgiveness gives you peace in this home, forgiveness puts you in a home called heaven forever. How does that happen, Pastor Tim? Jesus said it this way. He says, we're not going to leave your wounds to time. We're not going to leave the offense between you and God just going, hey, over time, I'm going to become a better person. I'm going to do my best. Time is a horrible caretaker. It doesn't fix us. It doesn't fix the relationship with God. As I get older, I was young and I was crazy, and now I've gotten older. I feel a little better. Time is a horrible caretaker on the relationship between you and God. There has to be a moment that says, I want to be forgiven. Jesus said it like this. He says, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born again. That's where the, where the offense is forgiven. The Bible tells us, if you were gonna ask yourself, what does it mean to be born again, Pastor Tim? What does that phrase mean? It's a Jesus phrase. We didn't come up with it. It's Jesus's phrase. Those that are watching online, those that are listening here today, I want you to, I want you to get this. Because the offense between you and God is called sin. And it has to be addressed. You can't sit here and address it your way. You can't address it with, well, I'll just be better. Or I got baptized. Or I'll be a good person. I provide for my family. That you're trying to address an offense between you and God your way, and that's not what God wants. It's his way. Well, what does born again mean? It is God saying, just as you were born a first time physically, you need to be born a second time spiritually. It's when the relationship with you and God gets zeroed out. It's when God says, you are forgiven. This is Hotel Montana. This is the moment that God goes, I forgive you. God, forgive me of my sin. God pronounces forgiveness. And it changes you not just here, but it changes you forever. How does that happen, Pastor Tim? It's first as simple as ABC. It's admitting first, A, admitting that I'm a sinner. That's the offense. All of us have been born with a condition called sin. And we can't fix it over time. We can't fix it by new promises. We can't fix it by just simply going, well, I'll go to the priest or the pastor. I'll go to a program. I'll get this thing all fixed. That's, that doesn't fit. It doesn't get fixed that way. 
There's some people here that think, well, I'm, I, I, I've gone to the synagogue, or I've gone to the mosque, and I've gone to the Catholic church, I've gone to a Protestant church. It doesn't fix it. It's brokenness. The diagnosis is sin. It's on the inside. And there's not a man on earth that can fix it. There's not a counselor on earth that can fix it. But there is a Father in heaven that can fix it for us today. But it has to start with going, I'm a sinner. That's what it starts. It's admitting I'm a sin. I'm a sinner then it's B, believing that God sent his son to fix that sinful condition. That what I couldn't fix myself, God says, I want to fix it for you. If we could fix it ourselves, then God never would have had to send his son Jesus. If I could get myself to heaven by just being good, then, then it doesn't even make sense that Jesus would come and die on the cross. But he did come and die. Why? He was becoming a sin bearer. He was dying a death that I was supposed to die. Living the life that I couldn't even live and giving me a reward, heaven and eternity and forgiveness that I didn't even deserve. And finally, it's confessing him as Lord. It's that C word. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, now you're in charge of my life. That no matter what I face, I go with God into this situation. How do I face people that hurt me? How do I face family that hurts me? How do I face religious people that have hurt me? Maybe even pastors that have hurt me. How do I, how do I face that? It all goes back to that Ephesians 4.31. You put aside bitterness and anger and realize I can forgive because I've been forgiven of so much. Forgiving others just as God in Christ has forgiven you today. And you can be forgiven today. Today. Well, Pastor Tim, how does that happen? I want to invite you. This is the square. This is Madrid. This is it. This is that moment. Those watching online, this is that moment to be forgiven of your sin today. How does it take place? I want to pray a prayer of forgiveness. I want to pray a born-again prayer. I want you today to experience. And if you're a Christian already, let me just tell you this, then you need a fresh revelation. If you're holding on, if you're in a cell of bitterness, then you need a fresh revelation of how much God has forgiven us. But if you've never experienced what it's like for God to forgive us of our sin today, today could be that day for you. Today. How does that happen, Pastor Tim? I want, I want everyone to bow your head with me, please. Close your eyes and bow your head. Those watching online, I want you to listen real carefully. Those that are here today, I want you just to stay with me. I want you to listen. This is life-changing for us. If you're sitting here today, if you're watching online, today could be a day of forgiveness. The Father wants to forgive you today. The Father wants to forgive you today. How does that happen, Pastor Tim? I'm going to pray a born-again prayer, a prayer that says, God, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. I'm going to start a brand-new journey with you. I am telling you, as we begin to know how much we've been forgiven of, he allows us to be set free from the hurts. He allows us today to begin to understand we can put away, put away bitterness, put away anger, put away wrath because we have been forgiven of so much. If you've not experienced the forgiveness of God today in a relationship called being born again, you may be here today going like, well, I'm in church. That's good, but that's not what Jesus said. I've been baptized. That's good. That's not what he said. I've had communion or I've been christened. 
or I've been confirmed, or I grew up in a religious family, I grew up as a Muslim, or I grew up as a Jew, I grew up, those are all great things, but that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, today you have to be born again. Today you have to be born again. This is what Jesus said. With every head bowed and every eye closed, Jesus said this in John 3, 5, Jesus, who cannot lie, you must be born again. So don't make optional what Jesus says is a necessity. And in life, we're gonna be hurt. In life, we're gonna face so much. But the biggest hurt that we've gotta resolve, the biggest relationship that we've gotta to fix today is your relationship with God. And today could be a day of forgiveness, a day of zeroing out the account, a day of saying, God, come into my life and change me from the inside out. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're sitting in this place today, if you're watching online, and say, Pastor Tim, when you pray that born-again prayer, I want to be part of it. Would you include me in that prayer? If that's you today, I'm not going to make you stand. We have some protocol for COVID that we're still operating under. I won't make you stand. I won't embarrass you that way. I'm not even going to ask you to walk forward. We're going we're to be real, real careful with this, but I am going to ask you to do this. If you're here today, in just about in about... 30 seconds, if you're here and say, when you pray that prayer, Pastor Tim, I want to be part of that. In about 30 seconds, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. If you just say, put me in that prayer. That's all I'm going to ask you to do. I'll be the only one looking. But if you say, Pastor Tim, when you pray that born-again prayer, balcony, main floor, without any hesitation, would you put me in that prayer today? I want to start a journey with God. I want to be born again. Wherever you're at in this place, put me in that prayer right now, hold your hand up high. Just say, I want to be part of that. Hold it up as high as you can. I want to make sure I see every hand that's up. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, 34, 35, 36, 37, 38, 39, 40, 41, 42, 43. Keep them up in the balcony. 44, 45, 46, 47, 48. Keep them up. I want to make sure. 49, 50, 51. You can put your hands down. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, can we do this with everybody that raised their hand? Come on, all of us. Let's pray this. And if you're watching online, I want you to pray this with us also. Wherever you're at, come on, say these words with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe that on the cross you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for it. You faced hell for me so I wouldn't have to go. You rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to be born again. Come on, say this with me now. God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. I like this part. And heaven is my home. In Jesus' name. Come on, can we thank God for that right now? Hallelujah. Let me just say this to you. If you pray that prayer today, can I just give you those words? All is forgiven. There's not a sin you've committed that God can't forgive. And I'm telling you, 
That relationship here helps you with every relationship here. Because when someone hurts you, you can go, wait a second. I can put away bitterness. I can put away wrath. Why? Because just as I've been forgiven much, I can forgive much today. And we're going to believe for God to do that. I want to ask you to do one thing. Before Freddie and the team comes, I want you to do me a favor. For those 52 and those watching online, I want you to text the word CONNECT to 51,000. What we're going to do is we're just going to send you a link to help you on this journey. That's all we're going to do. It's a link to get you going on a brand new journey called being born again. And we would just want to help you and your growth and what God is going to do with you. And, and we're believing for great things to take place. Now, let me just say this to you. When we close today, Freddie is going to come lead us in a song, but I'm just going to say this. Today, before we pray for everybody, before we, we, before we pray and open up the altars for those to be prayed, because we have some teams here, Pastor Patrick and the prayer teams will be up here to pray for you. If you have any needs, and it's a whole protocol that we go through, masks and distancing, because we want to personally pray for you. And we'll even pray for you online. If you're online and you're going, I need to be prayed for uh, online. We have people that will go ahead and respond to you and pray with you by typing in a prayer for you. And so that's what's exciting. Can I give you some good news today for those that are, that are here today? So just so we can connect both worlds, 52 people gave their heart to Jesus today. Are you ready for this? And I'm just looking at the numbers. And 11 more people online. 63 people gave their heart to Jesus today for the very first time. That's exciting. For those 11 that are watching, for those 52 here, this is the beginning of a brand new relationship. When we finish out here today, I'm gonna ask you this, don't run away so fast. We've got a couple of things we wanna announce to you, but come on, let's sing this and rejoice for just a few moments. Stand with me and let's sing this. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this message and be sure to subscribe so you can receive new messages each week. Visit tsc.nyc for all the latest info on how you can stay connected. Also, don't forget that you can follow us on social media on all major platforms at Times Square Church. Thanks for tuning in today. Have a great week.